Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to Redeeming Love Church. I'm Stephanie Pack here on behalf of Pastor John Eckhart. And today we're going to be looking at Psalm 27. And so if you have your Bibles, take a look at Psalm 27. That's what we're going to be pulling apart today. As I was praying about the service, the Lord just indicated Psalm 27 to me. And so we just want to pull it apart. I think that it will cause us to be encouraged, but it will also um, ensure that we understand that we're not the only ones who have ever gone through a difficulty and then seen the faithfulness of God. And so I'm going to be using several different versions of the Bible today, and I'll let you know which one I'm reading from uh, when I start. But I want to just encourage you, take some notes, do some things. And this is something I believe that we should chew on, meditate on throughout this week, that obviously the Lord desires for us to, to learn something, glean something from his word. So we're just going to bow our heads and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us, to show us, to open the, our eyes to something we may never seen before, or simply for us to be reminded. Sometimes it's just really good to be reminded of God's word. So Father God, we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity to come and worship, to open your word. We thank you, Lord, that we live in a nation where we can do that openly and freely. So, Father, we ask by your Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians chapter 1, that you would open the eyes of our understanding, that we would see things we perhaps have not seen, that we would learn things that perhaps we haven't understood. But, Father God, above all, may we be further equipped to take the gospel out into our community. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. So we're going to start today by looking at actually the uh, New Living Translation. The New Living Translation. We're looking at Psalm 27. We're going to pull this whole entire psalm apart. So what we're going to do first is I'm just going to read through the entire psalm, and then we're going to take sections of it so that when you go back and study it and look at it, you're going to be able to have the background from which it comes, and then what it encourages us to do. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there. Where's there? In his temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. 
He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path. For my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands. For they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Now that's some psalm from David. But you need to know the context. The context is, is after everything that Saul put him through, chasing him around, trying to kill him, David hiding out, having his mighty men of valor, having to make sure that he stays in a right frame of mind and frame of heart because Saul was not stopping until he killed David. That was in his heart. Well, Saul is now gone, and David is getting ready to become king of Israel. He's getting ready to mount the throne, and this is his heart. So what you're hearing from him is he is declaring who he is in the Lord. He is declaring who God is and who God has been. He is saying what he's going to do, and he's walking in faith, speaking what the Lord is going to do for him. And at the, fully at the end of it, he says, wait patiently which I know a lot of us are like, right? Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Now, when I started reading this, I thought, well, it would be very helpful if I would go and look at it in several versions. And there is a version that you may never have heard of, a translation, and it's called the Tree of Life version, and it's drawn directly from the Hebrew. Now, in this very, the very first verse of Psalm 27, the New Life, or sorry, the Tree of Life version says, it's of David, which we know, and he says, Adonai is my light and my salvation, whereas in our newer translations, it says the Lord. You need to understand what Adonai means. 
Yes, it means Lord, but in the sense of master. So David is declaring that the Lord is his master. Doesn't matter that he's getting ready to mount the throne as king of Israel. He is acknowledging to himself and before the Lord who the Lord is to him. So when we take a look at that, we need to be aware of how David viewed the God he served. And that he was very clear that the Lord was his master. So that when you take a look at that, if you don't know it, it it sounds almost that David might be questioning the Lord. He is not. He's declaring that his master is his light and his salvation, and it just goes from there. And every single time he references the Lord, the Hebrew says Adonai. So I want you to keep that in mind as we're walking through this scripture, that this entire time that David is giving the Lord God the rightful high place, that he's saying, I may be getting ready to become king, but I'm acknowledging right here, right now, that Lord, you are my master. You are my Lord and master. Not just that he served the God who was the creator of the universe, right? Or he was the one who was the God of the house of Israel. But to David personally, he referenced the Lord as master. So really as a basis for our discussion today, I want to encourage each one of us to take the kind of, you know, the magnifying glass, the mirror, turn it back upon ourselves and say, okay, so where am I at today? You can look at yourself where you've been, which David does, but where am I today? How am I viewing the Lord today? Am I allowing him? Am I putting him in the place of my master? So when we take a look at this in that context, it really does change. It changes everything. It really can change our perspective. So let's start pulling this particular psalm apart. And I want you to focus on the very specific words that are used. David truly was a psalmist. He wrote poetry. And the words that he chose were very important. It wasn't like, well, I don't know why I said that. No, every word was very specific to the meaning of his songs. And so in this, if when he says, you, Lord, the Lord, my master is my light and my salvation. Now, a few months ago, we talked about that Jesus is the light. He's the light. The enemy is only brings only darkness. So we talked about the fact that he brings light. We know that throughout Old Testament scriptures, it talks about that he is a light unto our path. He will show us the way to go. There is no darkness in him. So that as David describes his master, it's almost like he's settling it down inside of his heart about the one he serves. 
his character, his personality. I know that if you take a new job, one of the first questions you kind of know is, you know, what's the boss like? What is his or her personality? How do they handle stress? What do they do? What are their traits? What should I be looking for? Well, David is not only reminding himself, but anyone who comes after him, that the Lord, David's master, is his light and his salvation. And I believe that's very important for us today because, you know, folks that we meet along the way, unfortunately, many of them think they can receive salvation through so many different avenues. And that's not the case. Remember that it's only by Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but through him. We only receive our salvation through the one who created us and through the one who actually gave his life for us to have a relationship with our Father God. So David is saying, Lord, you're my light. You are my salvation. So I'm going to encourage you, if you've been going through a difficult time, that you need to make this declaration over your life. If you're talking to individuals who are having a difficult time and they know the Lord, well then, again, what can you do as a believer? You can encourage them to say, you know what, I know it looks dark right now, but the one who has come to give you light is the Lord himself, Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. He will not let you down. He is your salvation. So when you look at Psalms like this, when you look at portions of Scripture, instead of just, um, I knew a minister who used to talk about don't, don't read the Bible, read the Bible. And that's why I like to take things apart, and that's why I like to put them in the first person. Even when I turn this around, if I'm going to pray this for myself, I would do something like this. Lord, I thank you that you are my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid, Lord? There's absolutely nothing that I should be afraid of when I know that you're my light and you're my salvation. So I can encourage myself when I'm up against a wall, when it seems as if not only maybe natural adversaries, natural enemies, which we know King David had plenty of those, but our real adversary, the enemy, Satan. And so whether it's a natural enemy that, with which you're dealing or whether it's just Satan, our adversary, we know that we have no reason to be afraid because our Lord, our master, if we allow him to be that to us, he is our light and he is our salvation. The second part of that very first verse says this. The Lord is my fortress. A fortress. Think about that. If you've ever seen an old-fashioned fortress, it was built, it was created to keep the enemy out. That was its whole entire purpose. If you go to like even Fort Boonesboro as an example, not too far away from here, the whole entire purpose 
of that fort, that fortress, was so that if there were an attack, everyone could come into safety and be protected. Because not everyone lived in the fort. There would be not enough room. But if danger came, everyone came from wherever they lived, they worked, and they came inside of the fortress in order to have protection and safety. Our God is a fortress to us. So I know that sometimes when we're in difficulties, we can tend to want to just run away, right? Put our head in the sand, just lock ourselves in a room, you know, whether it's the pity party or just, woe is me, I don't know what to do. But when we acknowledge, like King David did, that our God the creator God of the universe, who is our light and our salvation, that he is also our fortress in whom we can find safety and protection. That is a phenomenal, a phenomenal encouragement to ourselves and to others when we have the opportunity. It goes on and says this, because the Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, The next question to myself is, then why should I tremble? So he's my light. He's my salvation. Why should I be afraid? He's my fortress. He protects me from danger. We're talking about God here. And I've chosen to make him my master. So why am I even trembling? Because I know him. I know who he is. So when we take a look then at pages, or pages, verses 2 and 3, I want you to see it in the context of David. He's already seen God protect him when the very king of Israel wanted him dead. He's already been up against the lion and the bear and Goliath. He's been in situations that seemed absolutely impossible. So this is what he says. He says, when evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, not if they do, he's saying when they do. This was the life he had been leading. It says, I'm choosing to believe that they will stumble and fall. So he acknowledges what's going on. He acknowledges that, but he chooses to place his faith in his Lord and Master, Adonai. So that's what I'm saying. He's not questioning whether God will do these things. He's already seen his Lord and Master doing these things. And he, as he's getting ready to ascend the throne, is making a statement of faith that when they come, because I've seen they do come, when they want to take me out, Lord, I believe that it will be they who stumble and fall, not me, because you are my Lord and Master. Not because I'm so great or I'm so strong or I'm such a wonderful general in the field or because I have these mighty men who surround me, But no, I believe my adversaries will fall. They will stumble because you, Lord, are my master. So we have to keep ourselves with a right perspective, as it were. 
It says this, though a mighty army, not some piddly, you know, band of people that want to come in and try to cause havoc. No, when a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Again, he is speaking by faith, in faith. He is choosing to believe in his Lord and Master rather than in his own natural ability. Would that we would be, be reminded of that when we find ourselves up against a wall, when we find ourselves in a situation where we feel that we're being attacked either by a natural enemy or our adversary, Satan. It says this, Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. Not that I'll be confident. I will remain confident. I'm sure all of us here recognize and realize that the enemy would love to chip away at our natural confidence and who we are in Christ, okay? But they would, he would also like to chip away at our confidence in God, the one we serve, that he desires the best for us, that his plan for us is good and not evil, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us hope in a future. Why can I say that? That's what he did with Eve in the garden. He questioned whether or not she could trust God, if she could have confidence in God. That's exactly what he did. So David himself sang, and if they come, I will remain confident. I'm going to be steadfast in my confidence. So I don't know. I've, I've, I've read this psalm before, but I'll just be honest. I had to, when the Lord said, go to Psalm 27, that's what I want you to do. I had to go. It's not like Psalm 23. Okay, so the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. And it's not as if I've never read the words, the Lord is my light and salvation, and whom shall I be afraid? But has Psalm 27 lodged in such a way that when I and being attacked, whether naturally or spiritually, that I would know to go to this? And I, honestly, I would have to tell you no. That I would have just had to have gone to the Word and found a Word that um, was appropriate for my situation. But that's not going to be the way it is anymore. And I'm going to encourage you. You find yourself up against it. You find yourself in the midst of a struggle. Go back to David's Word declare that the Lord is your master. You declare what you know to be true about him. He's light. He's salvation. He's a fortress. He protects you from danger. Therefore, why am I worried? Why am I upset? Why am I trembling? Why am I in fear? Because when this happens, if this happens, I'm choosing to remain confident. I'm choosing to believe because I've seen it happen over and over and over again that my enemies are the ones who will stumble and fall and not me. That's a, like a hallelujah. Glory to God, right? Lay a foundation there. Let it get down deep and strong in your heart. All right, so verse 4 and 5 and 6. I want to encourage you in this, that no matter if you are in your private space or if you are here in a literal sanctuary, 
you need to make up your mind before troubles come that you are going to choose to worship him you're going to choose to seek his face you're going to choose to go and speak to him you're going to choose to worship him in joy with music you have to make that declaration just like david did before anything happens you declare that this is who you are going to be for the rest of your life because we know from a historical perspective that god himself called david what he was his friend yes he loved his heart and we would often say it was his heart of worship but take a look at these it says the one thing i ask of the lord now, I can't even begin to imagine the pressure, the responsibility, the potential for stress that there would be for someone who was getting ready to take on the role as king. That's, that's a lot of weight to carry. But in this, all David says is the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is what to live in the house of the lord all the days of my life and we know he wasn't talking about a literal house a literal sanctuary a literal temple remember that the temple hadn't even been built at this time so he's saying the one thing i ask of the lord the one thing i seek out most for my life is that I am going to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections. So when I was looking at this, I thought, you know, how much do we spend time thinking about all the things that aren't right in our lives? I'm sure we've all done it. I can't imagine anyone who is not like taken stock and thought, well, this isn't right and that's not right. And that's the one, those are the things that we discuss with the Lord. But David brings a different perspective. And he says that his one desire, the thing that he seeks most, the thing that he desires for the Lord to do for him, that he, David, the future king of Israel, would live in the house of the Lord forever. And how is he going to live there? What is he going to do when he is there? It says... I'm going to delight in the Lord's perfections. So maybe when we find ourselves in difficulties, is we, instead of majoring on what's not going correct, maybe we need to spend some time putting the Lord and Master forefront in our lives and reminding ourselves of who He is to us, for us. That he is perfect in every way. That there is nothing lacking in our God. That he does this and he does that. And rehearse what he's done for us in the past. That way our hearts are pure towards him. And the one who can solve our problems is given his due place. And it says this. That he's going to delight in the Lord's perfections. And two... He says, I'm going to meditate in his temple. 
I'm going to do that. Again, there was not a natural physical temple yet. Remember, that didn't happen until Solomon. So what is he talking about? He's talking about the Lord's presence. He's saying that he is going to spend time meditating in the Lord's presence. Would that we would all be reminded quickly that when difficulties come, or even when life is going phenomenally well, that we choose to focus on God's perfections and to meditate in His presence. Now, I'm not talking about something Eastern, nothing, no mysticism, not talking about the alm, right? This is me chewing on, thinking about, spending time with the one who created me. This is what David wanted above all else. And it says this, for he, who's he? The Lord will conceal me there when troubles come. So this tells me that when troubles come into my life, if I am spending my time counting God's perfections, meditating in his presence, the Lord promises to keep me in his presence to protect me when troubles come. So we don't want to wait until troubles come. And then quickly have to try to find God's presence. But if we live in his presence, if we continue to rehearse his goodness, his perfections, that when troubles come, he will keep us in his presence, in his very temple. And it goes on to say, for he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. I will be hidden in God. Now, our perspective at perspective as new covenant believers is that we are hidden in Christ. We are the very righteousness of God in Christ. Because of what Jesus did for us, because we have salvation in him, he hides us in his very self. So, Where David saw it as anointed by God and choosing to live that way, we can live. We, New Testament believers, can live in his presence 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every single day of the year until we either go to be with him or he comes back. Keep that. Let's keep that perspective. It says, he will place me out of reach on a high rock. The enemy cannot take you out, take you down if you are remaining in God's presence. Then it says this, then, knowing that, then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. When I know that he's going to keep me in his presence, that he's going to put me up on a high place, that they can't get to me, then my whole uh, perspective change. I know I've been using that word perspective a lot this morning, but the way that I see things changes. When I know who God is for me, when I know that he will protect me, 
when I know that when I stay in his presence, the adversary cannot take me out, then I'm going to be like, I'm not concerned. Because my trust and my faith is in my Lord and my Master. I'm not going to be concerned about the enemies that seem to surround me. It says, at his sanctuary... I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy. Not, okay, here we go again. The word tells me I need to bring a sacrifice, right? We're to bring a sacrifice of praise. We're to offer ourselves and all that we have to him with joy, in joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Our worship times are so very important and special. Okay, so as we look a little bit farther in this, I want to point a few things out to you. Verses 7, 8, and 9, and 10, sometimes might be there might be the perspective that, um, or the thought that he is questioning whether God is going to leave him to his own devices. That is not what David is saying. So let's take a look at this and make sure that we see it correctly. Verse 7 says, and he's speaking directly to the Lord. He says, hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. Now, David was petitioning the Lord, but we know again as New Testament believers that he just doesn't hear us. He answers us when we pray according to his word and to his will. So I'm just going to encourage you, he hears us. He promises to answer us. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart, the very inward part of your being, not your physical heart, but your spirit, the real you, your spirit who is made in the likeness and image of God, says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. Come and talk with me. Now, the version that I was talking to you about the tree of life, this is what it says in verse 8. I want you to see this or hear this. Verse 8 says, To you my heart says, Seek my face. Your face, Adonai, I seek. So it in this Hebrew translation, it sounds different. Again, it says, David is making a declaration that, Lord, I will seek your face. I know you've said for me to come to you, and I'm declaring that that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. Verse 9 says, Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger you have always been my helper. And the only thing I can say to this is that we do have an adversary. And he does place thoughts, right? Those vain imaginations. Again, he wants you to question your confidence in the God you serve. He wants you to question whether you can trust him. David was a man just like all of us, right? So it's not as if the enemy didn't talk smack to him, right? 
get up in his face and go, oh, you think the Lord's going to come through for you every single time? Oh, you think the Lord's going to hear your prayer and answer you? Oh, yeah, right, David. No, he's talking to himself and he says, do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. Guess what? He says, hold on, you have always been my helper. So he's actually talking to himself. So when the enemy comes and those vain imaginations come, just talk right back. Like, oh, no, no, no. You want me to question whether or not I can trust him, whether he'll answer me? No, no, no. I'm telling you, you're getting ready to get a list of everything the Lord has done for me. And if he did it yesterday, he'll do it today. And if he's doing it today, he's going to do it tomorrow. David is making it clear. Verse 9 in the Tree of Life version says, Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. But then again, he answers. He answers with this. Though my mother or my father forsake me, Adonai, you'll take me in. So as these thoughts come, as these accusations against the Lord come, David begins to answer back as to what he believes. So I want you to make sure that he is not doubting the Lord. He's dealing with those fiery darts of the enemy, and he's answering them with the word, and he's answering them with what he already knows to be true because he's lived it. If we find ourselves in the same situation, if you see that David was successful in doing this, why wouldn't you also put this into practice? He says this, verse 11. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path. He's like, because I know for my enemies are waiting for me. So his response to knowing that he's still in the crosshairs, that just because he's ascending the throne, just because God's plan and purpose for his life is coming to pass, and he can see it now, he's no longer on the run living in caves, looking for meals, for water, wanting to make sure that their families are protected. He is now ascending the throne, and yet... He recognizes that there are still enemies out there. And we know we have an enemy, right? We're not looking at flesh and blood. We're looking at our enemy adversary, our adversary, Satan. And how does he respond? His heart is like, Lord, teach me how to live. And I would say today for every single one of us, whether we're here or whether someone is watching, that is is should be our heart's cry as those who serve the Lord and Master. Should be, teach me how to live, O Lord. And we know that as New Testament believers, Jesus isn't walking amongst us. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, but we have his Holy Spirit. We have the very Spirit of Jesus Christ this spirit who has taken up residence in our hearts, in our lives. We know that the Holy Spirit, according to from John 14 all the way through, that the Holy Spirit is given to us so that he would show us things to come, so that he would reveal scriptures. 
Go back to what I prayed, that Ephesians 1 prayer. Lord, I thank you that the eyes of my understanding are enlightened. Lord, teach me how to live. So when we're up against it, when we find ourselves, or whether we're living every day and it looks awesome, the, we need to rehearse, Lord, continue to teach me how to live. Continue to teach me how to live. What else does he say? Lead me along the right path. How many of you know there are many paths out there, and sometimes it looks like, well, I don't know which way to go. Which way is the best? And sometimes the Lord will give us a choice. He'll speak as you speak to him, get to know him. He'll say, this is your choice, what you want to do next. But there is a right path and a wrong path. There are paths that lead to righteousness, and there are paths that, you know, the old-fashioned King James word is perdition. It leads you away from your Lord and your Master. Because he acknowledges here, Lord, teach me, because I know my enemies are waiting for me. Now, I'm just going to tell you, Satan doesn't care what he finds to trip you up, to pull you out, to get you to sit down, to give up, to stop. He'll use anything and everything, and he'll just keep trying to pull another fast one. But So why is it that we need to learn to live the way the Lord would desire us to live our lives? Why is it that we need to ask to be led along the right paths? Because we have an adversary. Amen? We have enemies. Verse 12, do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath, they threaten me with violence. Now, again, you may not have this natural enemy and or enemies who are doing this specific thing, but we all have an adversary and all of his demons who would desire for nothing more to take you out of the kingdom of God. And if they can't get you to come out from the kingdom of God, if they can make you ineffective for the work of the kingdom of God, they'll, they'll, they'll take that. Because we each have a purpose and a plan in the kingdom. Right? We all have a purpose and a plan in the kingdom. And if our adversary can get us to just give up on the things that the Lord himself has put on the inside of our hearts, it's not a good thing. So this is what David then says. Yet. He's saying, I'm, I'm asking you, Lord, to show me how to live. I'm asking you to show me the paths because I know I have adversaries out there who are just waiting to take me. Then he says, yet. We could also put but in there. Like, I know that, but I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness. You'll see his goodness. And remember Psalm 23, Father, that your goodness and your mercy would follow me all the days of my life. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father in whom what? There's no changing. He doesn't change. All good gifts from, come from the Father. Remember, God is light. Satan is darkness. God is life. Satan is death. Every single good thing, God is good. 
Satan is evil. There is nothing good in him. The Lord is truth. Satan is the father of lies, and there is no truth in him. They're exact opposites. It's not a degree. Like, oh, there's stuff that's not that bad. No, they're the actual exact opposites. So yet, I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. I want to encourage you. I know a lot of folks are like, well, I'm just kind of hanging on till Jesus comes back. You know, the great by and by, I'm going to walk over. Everything's going to be wonderful once I get to heaven. And we, we live far below what our Lord, our master, Adonai, would desire for us. David is declaring, I'm going to today see God's goodness while I'm still here in the land of the living. He's not looking to the sweet by and by. He's looking and believing and standing in faith for and being confident in the fact that's down deep in his heart that he will enjoy the Lord's goodness now while he lives. And if I could say anything on an encouraging word for each one of you, have faith in God, that he desires to bless you, to keep you, protect you, show you his ways, lead you, guide you, prepare everything that you need in this life today. And I mean as in this life, not wait until we get to heaven. So you can trust him for the here and now, not just for the sweet by and by. And David makes that clear. And literally, as the king of an entire nation, truly, especially if you read historic accounts, his life was in the balance every single day. And yet he chose to say, I am confident that I'm going to see the Lord's goodness now as I live. And then he reminds all of us this one thing. Wait patiently for the Lord. He's reminding himself, David, don't get ahead of yourself. You need to wait patiently for your master, Adonai. Be brave, David. Be courageous, David. And I could say, be brave, Stephanie. Be courageous. Choose to wait on your master. And as you are brave and as you are courageous, as you walk in faith, we know what happens. The Lord shows up every single time. In the land of the living, he shows up every single time. Verse 14 in the Tree of Life version says, Wait for Adonai. Be strong. Let your heart take courage and wait for Adonai. Wait for the Master. Put your trust in the Master. Be confident in the Master. Be confident in His goodness, His mercy, His kindness his protection, his salvation, 
his light. Those are the things as he's getting ready to ascend to the throne and take on all this responsibility. That is what he's speaking to himself. This isn't a prophet of God coming and talking to David. This is David stirring himself up in the word. And so I would just really, really, really strongly encourage you that no matter if you're going through a situation or whether you know someone who is, go back to this. Encourage them. Encourage yourself. Stir yourself up. Stir yourself up knowing who you serve, whose you are. And if you need to make the adjustment, if you've gotten away from allowing him to be your master, make, the, make that adjustment right here, right now. Lord, I am so sorry that I've been trying to do it myself, trying to work it out myself. Father, I thank you that you are my Lord and master because of the work of Jesus Christ. And I thank you that you will show me. You will show me how to live. You will show me how to walk. You will show me what to do, where to go. That's, it. That's the simple little tweak that we need to make. Now, as we close today, I want to read just the very end of that in the Passion Translation. And I, I'm going to start back at verse 13. And it says, and that's the yet or the but statement that we talked about. The Passion Translation says this, Yet I totally trust you to rescue me one more time so that I can see once again how good you are while I'm still alive. Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting for he will never disappoint you. So that's what I want to leave with you today is that God will never disappoint you. Now we can be disappointed in ourselves certainly, that we missed it, that we should have gone a different way, that we allowed ourselves to get caught up. But that's where God's mercy comes in. He says he's faithful and just to forgive us. It, again, it just takes that little heart tweak for us to walk strongly, walk bravely, walk courageously into all that God has for us. Remember this Passion Translation. What? Because he will never disappoint you. If you're disappointed, it's not because God is not able or willing or desirous of giving you everything that's in his promises. Right? Yes and amen. Yes and so be it to every believer. And how can we do that? Because we rely on the word. We rely on Jesus, the word who was made flesh. We can't lean to our own natural understandings as we look in Proverbs chapter 3. But it's in all our ways as we acknowledge him. That's what David is doing in Psalm 27. He is acknowledging his Adonai. 
All our ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Father God, I thank you in the mighty name of Jesus that your word brings light, it brings life. Your word brings encouragement and correction, Father. We thank you, Lord, that each one of us would go away this day chewing on, thinking about, meditating on God's word in his presence. May we choose to carve out specific times to just simply sit and meditate on him in his very presence. Lord, you always meet us right where we are. You met David through thick and thin. So, Father, we thank you that we echo his words, that we will wait on you patiently, our Lord and Master that we will be brave, we will be courageous, but that in the end we know that you never disappoint us. You always come through for us. We thank you that you literally have us in your fortress, keeping us safe, securing our future. And Lord, we thank you for it. I thank you, Lord, if there is anyone who sees this or hears this, Father, and they have not made Jesus, their Lord, that their heart would just be so ready to really receive the free gift of salvation. Perhaps one of you have acknowledged that the Lord is light. You know that there's a difference between him and Satan. You can tell that. You see light. You see darkness. You can see the difference, but you've never, ever allowed him to save you. Or maybe you've simply walked away thinking that you knew better. Lord, I thank you that every person under the sound of my voice, that they would know that Jesus is your son, the word made flesh who came and lived among us, not to condemn us, but to give us eternal life. Father, we thank you that this same son lived a sinless life in this earth, and yet chose to take on the sin of the world, to take our place. And even when he died on that cross, it was not the end. Jesus was raised from the dead three days later. The very Spirit of God who now dwells on the inside of us raised him up from the dead. We thank you that although Jesus' work on this earth is done, he is now seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father, Lord, I thank you that you even now are talking to your people about the work that you have for them, for us to do by the power of your Holy Spirit in our personal lives, as a church, as a community, as a state, and a nation. Father, speak to us specifically. Show us the way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So, I'm just going to encourage you. This is not, this is a word of encouragement, Psalm 27. It's an acknowledgement that life isn't perfect and that we do have adversaries. But if that we put ourselves in the right place to keep our eyes on the Lord, our Master, if we do that, then everything that we've seen that David was standing in and believing, 
that can be ours too. That's the Lord's desire for each one of us. Amen? Amen. So, I love you all, but I do want to make sure that each one of us has an opportunity to do what we are ministering today. And so if that's you, if you just need to make a few tweaks, do it right now. Do it today, this afternoon. You see where you and then even I, to take the word and take it as a mirror to see ourselves and make the adjustments that are necessary so that we can live a full life so that we can see God's goodness in this land of the living. And so, um, I believe this would be an awesome time to worship the Lord with our giving, right? Enjoy! Amen? Davis, would you take up the offering for us?
So, are you stopping by our house today? Yes. What time? Right now, your mama asked me to come directly after church. Okay, let me go and make sure Dad is all set and ready. Okay? You know, okay. 15 minutes. Oh, okay. You know, is that okay? You guys can shut things down here? Yeah, you mind? I think so. I'll, I'll kill the air conditioner. We right can now. do that. You go on. No, I'll do that. It only takes a second, and it's obscenely complicated for whatever reason. Um, but, uh, I'll do that, and, uh, and then I'll get things set at home. Mm-hmm. <sighs> 